and welcome to another episode of Airy Muse. I'm the host, Sarah Crowley. Millie's Starbeam, Chapter 2. The day Healy was hired, he suddenly appeared in Millie's home out of nowhere, just like that. Healy surprised Millie while she was reading. She was perched indolently on the window seat by the fountain, Cleo at her feet. She was reading Jane Eyre, Millie, not the cat. It was her second time reading that book as a human. She really enjoyed reading and always had, but she found the Earth authors particularly lovely. They had a way with words, and the brevity of their lives seemed to add a sadness to it all. Everything, so sad. So, anyway, Millie was reading Jane Eyre, and suddenly Healy, like a character out of some movie, seemingly out of nowhere, arrived. And bing! Kapow! She stood when she saw him, not out of politeness, but out of shock. He smiled, she smiled, she offered him a hug. When Healy arrived, he was all business and fairly formal. He wasn't a big hugger, but that would soon change. He was vague about which land he came from, and like a lot of Avalonians, wasn't just one thing. Sure, it was obvious he was Nyad, so obvious. He appeared to have wild elf blood, as mentioned. Oh, by the way, wild elves aren't as zany as they sound, and quick note, there are a multitude of elf types, nearly a hundred. In any case, the wild elves are known for their smarts. They like physical challenges and are often great wits. Of course, there are exceptions. It would be like saying all the Dutch love tulips. All Californians like to surf. Healy was an expert at so many things. He had the equivalent of a black belt in splinter splitting which is fairy combat, in case you didn't know. Well, that sounds oxymoronic, doesn't it? But fairies are as nuanced as humans. And yes, seeing as he was a natural flyer, it seemed he had fairy blood. But regarding his private life, he was a mystery. Totally. Well, at first. Now, a little lesson in dimensional rules. If you already know this, feel free to skip. No need to be... No intent to be patronizing, just to inform. So, Avalon being higher in dimension to Earth is also therefore higher in perspective, mostly. So, not to say there aren't saddies out there. There are. They are called saddies, by the way. Rhymes with baddies, but imbues the notion with a bit of compassion. It is interesting to note, etymologically, the word sad at one time meant very bad. Also, sad may bring to mind the great lover of cruelty and an earthling, of course, Marquet de Sade. Anywho, they are pathetic and sad, the saddies. Most evil folk are, and yes, such a term may seem juvenile, silly, and not hardly original at all, but that's the point. Evil is quite the ego. Generally speaking, the truly evil are totally humorless. All that said, in Avalon, there's less iniquity than Earth. Not to scare you, but Earth is something of a bridge to what you'd call heaven and hell, both accessible. 
Remember, though, all beings have nearly everything inside, good and bad. We are, in the grand scheme, united in form, and when we incarnate on a planet, we're really just playing a part. You know, like a film or play. That sounds belittling, doesn't it? Oh, no. One must take life seriously, but also not. So many paradoxes. But reconciling paradox is the surest sign of wisdom. Balance is often the way. Life is just a play, and it doesn't matter what realm. It's also a game, no matter. Shakespeare said it well, all the world's a stage. You humans have got the concept of evil all wrong. Well, a tad. Darkness isn't inherently evil. Light isn't necessarily good. But, as a rule, they do tend to veer that way. But there are frauds and fakes everywhere. Peering at one's shadow isn't the same as peering at evil, though refusing to ever look at the dark attracts dark. Chapter Two and a Half, A Flashback, May 1st, 2015, Two Years Ago. Two years ago, Millie's home was different. Back then, it was a charming, low-key flower shop. Her apartment was upstairs. Morning Glory was the name of the shop. Millie hadn't chosen the name, and so, much like the humongous rose-shaped clock at the door, it simply had come with the place. A year ago, Millie sat patiently in her store, waiting for Mrs. Shimmer to arrive. Seventeen months prior, she'd taken to calling Shimmer Shimmer, which Shimmer likely didn't love, but she may well have liked. And so, the first few months, Shimmer pretended to be harsh. But one day, Millie saw a crack in the gal's armor and dove in with childish glee. She made Shimmer laugh. Millie was scheduled to go home that day, and soon, once again, she would be a fairy living life in Avalon. She was a bit sad, really, and had even grown to love Earth. Well, parts of Earth, not all. And cracking her knuckles, distracted all day, she found it a challenge to work, atypically rushing her customers out the door. She was to meet the other recruits before 7.11 p.m., precisely at that time, calculated and astrologically prescribed. She couldn't be late. It was six. So you'll meet the others. I can't disclose where. You know, there are portals in New York. Duh, we used one. True. I'll meet you at five. Where? The shop. Don't be late. They had said all of that over the phone. Millie could detect a hint of sarcasm in Shimmer's voice. Sometimes Millie ran late. The day prior to her exit, Shimmer sent Millie a text, revealing the exit would be at the Botanical Gardens, Brooklyn. Yes, it was odd how late Shimmer was, but Millie pushed the tug of worry quite out of her mind, or tried. She occupied herself by reviewing the exit plan. After Shimmer would come to fetch her, she and Millie would head to the exit spot. They were supposed to be at the portal at 7-Eleven, as mentioned, and... There had been emphasis on everyone being precisely on time. Don't be late, Shimmer said adamantly more than a few times. 
Millie didn't know exactly why tardiness would not be tolerated, but presumed it had something to do with astrology. She knew Shimmer's personality, and though on the one hand she was meticulous, on the other she was often distracted. Millie felt the slightest seed of worry now. Yes, they had time, but she looked out the window, gazing at her garden, a medley of herbs and flowers. Her garden had often soothed her, providing a balm that made homesickness rare. Two years will go fast. Fast seems like a lot. It's not. I feel nostalgic. Millie had been on earth for ten whole minutes. But no one will remember me. If, hypothetically, after your term, you were to go back to Earth, which you wouldn't, well, maybe to visit, you'd find anyone who interacted with you would have no memory, none at all. Why, they'd gaze at you as though you were a stranger. However, they'll have been improved by having met you. It's best not to think on it, Millie. Okay, Millie blew her nose. We honor free will. So you say... I should go, so let's make you feel settled, dear. Shimmer had a way of evading accusation. She wandered about Millie's home, passing at the bay windows. Shimmer had the vibrancy of the overcaffeinated. Her hair was red, bright red. She was mostly of pixie descent, but atypically round and small. The sun streamed in through the windows. Won't my exit affect others? Well, aren't we presuming the world revolves around us? But Shimmer handed her a Kleenex. The short answer is yes. The more nuanced full answer is no. That's why we discourage dating. Oh, is that why? What about Cleo? She's not real. Millie felt so sick now. In any case, remembering that conversation made Millie quite sad. It seemed cruel. Was Cleo the cat merely a prop? But Shimmer wouldn't say. You overemphasize what you think is real instead of what I feel. Millie loved to rhyme. Millie's phone was ringing. Where is she? Janet asked, sounding alarmed. Millie said, at Millie and she chatted, and Millie generally, the less anxious, concluded they should both make tea and not ever lose hope. She hung up and tossed an Earl Grey sachet into the cup. Oh, the thought of endings saddened her. It always had, even before she was human. She listened to the water. Its murmur grew. She would offer Shimmer a cup. Well, if they had time, Shimmer would sometimes sit and chat for a spell, she was obligated to check on Millie at least once a month, and she always loved tea. On occasion, Shimmer would ask to meet Millie at a museum or theater. They would go to an exhibit or maybe watch a play. Once, she told Millie to meet her at the top of the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty. Now Millie laughed at the thought. How long it took her to realize Shimmer was simply being a tourist. Millie sipped her tea. Mawkishly, she gazed at her cup. She remembered when she bought the cup at a Goodwill. It had a pink pattern and a matching saucer. She generally liked a large thing for coffee, but this was perfect for tea. It made her think of Jane Austen books. Since living on Earth, she had cultivated a taste for certain books and music. She had grown to adore some earthly things. 
She looked at the clock, and now Shimmer was so late it was alarming. But surely all would go well. She thought loosely of the day. It had been a standard Monday and full of regulars. Angie, from the diner, always bought daisies for the host stand. Larry would rush in at four, buy roses for his boyfriend. Lonely Lois would walk in during lunch, pretending the Gerber daisy bouquet she often bought was for her mom. Millie would ask her customers if they wished to see her garden. They'd often say yes. She'd offer tea. Millie looked out the window at the street and noticed it was raining. Then a startling crack of lightning.